so what we see in the Bible is we see all this imagery of God calling us to him. So one of those that I love is Psalm 42. So I want you to turn there in your Bibles. Go ahead and find this, because this, this is worth marking in your Bible. So in Psalm 42, it begins with us searching for God. But then you realize that it's really not us searching for God, it's us responding to God searching for us. So when it starts out this way, and this is a, this is a, 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 a quoted verse all the time uh, in Psalm 42, verse one, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul, uh, so, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come up and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, where is your God? And this is me saying I'm looking for God. Doesn't mean God's left me, just means I need God. You ever have those moments? I'm panting after God like a deer is panting for water at a water brook. He said that's how much my soul longs for God. And then he remembers when he was with God, listen to this in verse four, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go up with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept the pilgrims' feast. So he's saying this. He said, man, I long to be in his presence. Anybody just long to be in a worship service sometimes where God just wrecks your soul and leaves you stained for the rest of your life? That's what David is saying. He said, man, I remember singing those songs as we went into Jerusalem to celebrate the feast, I remember singing those songs, and I long for that. I want that back in my life. I want to sing that song again. I want to feel that joy again that God has given to me. But if you keep reading, you'll realize that he's not really calling out to God because he's lost. He's calling out to God because God is calling out to him. Look at this, verse 7, deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls and your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song shall be with me. God said, I will sing to you laying on your bed until you respond. I will show up every morning. I will sit by you with your first cup of coffee every morning until I will paint you a sunset every day. I will paint you another sun or a sun rise every morning, a sunset every day. I'll send you snow and every one of them will be a different shape and they'll never repeat themselves ever. I'll send you wind to refresh you, a sunny day to enrich your life. Whatever I have to do, I'll stand you by the waterfall and let you hear my voice because Revelation says that his voice sounds like many waters crashing and God says, I'll take you by a waterfall and when you hear the water splashing, it will sound like my voice. You'll hear me in the wind like the one that blew on the day of Pentecost. Whatever I have to do, you think you longing for me. You have no idea. I miss you more than you miss me. God is saying it's you that thinks that I'm far off. You have no idea how big I am and how much I want to spend time with you. Lorna Harris, anybody remember that name? Lorna Harris used to sing a song, I, I miss my time with you. I miss my time with you, moments together. 
how I need you more each day. And it hurts me when you say you're too busy. Uh, forget it. I forgot the tune. Anyway, look it up. Barnell does a really nice job of that song. All right. If you study the lives of holy men and women, you're going to find one common denominator in all their life. All of them spent a lot of their time seeking God. And I want to tell you, if you don't believe if you seek God, you'll find him, ask Carlisa. Ask her. She'll take, she told me, she told Faith and I for two hours one night, an experience she had where she went out seeking God, and she was put through all these tests and wondering, if, is God going to show up? I'm doing all of this. I'm, I'm, I'm separating myself because I want one thing. I want you. And I'll let her tell you the rest of the story because it really has a happy ending. And she can tell you how that story ends. If you seek God, you will find him. Um, if you study the lives of great men and women, you'll hear, that, you'll hear that common denominator over and over. Smith Wigglesworth, the man that saw miracles, a very staunch Englishman. If you ever see a picture of him, he's always dressed. His family said that he came to the breakfast table with suit and tie and vest on every day. They never saw him in casual clothes. He was always this distinct uh, English gentleman. And he was a, a great preacher, and, and he saw many miracles, all kinds of miracles that you read. But you know how he started his day every single day? He danced for 15 minutes in his bedroom before the Lord. First thing, before he put on his house shoes, he danced for 15 minutes every single morning because he longed for God more than he longed for that cup of coffee or the people with him. He longed for God. You'll see that story, John Knox, who brought revival to Scotland, is quoted by saying, give me Scotland lest I die. Uh, I, I was in Scotland uh, a few years ago and I went to a place and I, I preached in like 20 different churches in Scotland while I was there. And, and I was thinking, where's the revival now? Because I wasn't seeing any remnants of that. And then we went to the museum and there is, there is John Knox, uh, uh, the, the revivalist of Scotland who turned Scotland upside down on all of his quotes. And I'm thinking, man, is there not another John Knox? I mean, is there not anyone else who can bring that spirit back here? But how did that happen? He would go into caves and say, I will not come out of this cave. I will not eat food. I will not come out of this cave until I hear from God. God is trying to get something through to me, but I'm going to seek him with all of my heart. Uh, I sit in the seat of, of T.L. Lowry every day. It's one of my great privileges for me. I inherited his office after he transferred his, his citizenship to heaven. And so he has, for those of you that haven't seen my office, he, he made an oval office because he was a, a pastor in Washington, D.C. for years. It's the nicest office I've ever had. And it's this nice oval office, and I sit in his chair. Uh, the, his family took his furniture, but I said, please leave me his chair. So I get to sit in the old prophet's chair every day. And when we were cleaning out of, out of his, his office, I came across a box of things that was just unusual. And I asked them, you know, what is this? And one person told me, that's his ice cup. And I said, what, why would, what's an ice cup? They said, oh, he would go on 40-day fasts. And on that 40 days, he would, do, he would not drink anything but water. And he would not eat anything but ice. And for 40 days, and he did this over and over. When I was a kid, I went to a camp meeting. 
and Till Lowry was scheduled to speak, and it was an afternoon. When we went to those camp meetings, anybody remember the old days when there were out outdoor tabernacles, and you would have a 7 o'clock service, then a 10 o'clock service, and then 11.30 service, and then a 2 o'clock service. I mean, it sounds like prophetic summit, right? So that's what it was. It was just like that. And so we would, we would have church all day long and then all night long. And so they had Till Lowry scheduled at a 2 o'clock service. And honestly, my dad and mom made us go to all those services and so we were there and I didn't know what was going to happen. I just heard great stories about T.L. Lowry and he had been on one of those 40-day fasts and I remember as they had to carry him, almost carry him in the room. He was so weak that they had to, he had two men underneath his arms and they had to help him up the, up the platform onto the stage and it was time for him to preach and he, could, he was, couldn't hardly talk above whisper. He was so weak from this fast. And he told them, he said, listen, I, I don't have the power to preach, but if you need a miracle, just come up here and walk by me. And they set T.L. Lowry in a chair. I was a kid, and I remember this. It happened in, in Doraville, Georgia, at the Church of God campground in North Georgia. Doraville, Georgia. They set him in a, in a chair uh, on a, one of those old, you know, uh, metal chairs, nothing fancy, they set the old prophet down there, and people just started walking up, and they would get near him and be slain in the spirit. People come up healed. They come up speaking in tongues. He didn't, he couldn't, he was so weak, he couldn't even reach out his hand. And I'm thinking, where is that? God has not changed. God has not gone anywhere. But where are the people that can eat ice for 40 days to deliver an anointing like that in a room full of strangers like that? Where are those people? You're going to find this, you're going to find this, um, common denominator with all these great men and women they were God seekers they went after God but it's because that God was seeking them A.W. Tozer had a famous quote that said how tragic that we in this dark days have had our seeking done for us by our teachers I don't want to seek I just want to go to somebody who did I, I don't want to reach God I just want to go to somebody who can I don't want to get a word from God. I just want to get it from somebody else who paid the price. I, I don't want to, I, you know, I, I, I want to be healed, but I, want, I need to find me somebody who has a prayer life where I can receive that. And A.W. Tozer said, how tragic. See, God wants to be known. God wants, God is waiting on you. God wants us. Now, I was going to read from the Song of Solomon, but honestly, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase this. So for those of you that are familiar with the Song of Solomon, this is a song about, this is a, a book in the Bible. It's a love story about a king who disguised himself. So when you open up, all the women want to marry Solomon. So it opens up with sending kisses to Solomon, you know. So this is Solomon. The king is coming, and all the girls are saying, oh, we're sending kisses to Solomon because they wanted him to pick them to because the man had 700 wives, and they knew, you know, he probably could take one more home. So, so they, all these women in the field wanted to be chosen. Well, this one girl had to work in the fields because her brothers made her. She said, my, my brothers may be working the field, and I'm not fair like you other girls. I'm sunburned. And she said, because of this, I'm dark, and I'm sunburned, and, you know, I, I haven't been able to stay inside, and he's never going to pick me because I'm just this sunburned girl out here who's got dirt under my fingernails, and he's never going to pick me, the, the, the Shulamite woman. And so as the story goes on, all these girls say, Solomon is coming, Solomon is coming, and when he comes, he might pick me, he might pick me. And this 
this Shunammite girl says, listen, I'm not even going to think about Solomon because I have found me a lover. I found this guy that I love. He's, he's not a king, but he's a shepherd. And because, uh, because I love him and he loves me, you can have Solomon. I'm not going to take Solomon. I want this boy. And this boy starts teasing her. So in the Song of Solomon, he peeps through the lattice at her. You know, you know how lovesick people do, right? Hopefully you're still that way. You know, it's been 39 years for me and the redhead, but we still peep through the lattice and wave at each other, all right? So, so, uh, so think about that. So if, if you're love, it, love makes you act giddy. How many of you know that? It just makes you act a little silly. And you do things you ordinarily wouldn't do, and some things you don't want anybody to know that you did because you just act silly. So this is what's going on. There's a lot of teasing going on. So she is, he's, he's peeping to the lattice and waving at her and blowing little kisses. And, and she says, come, maybe he'll, maybe he'll marry me. Maybe he'll marry me. So she's laying on her bed, and she can't go to sleep. She's thinking about him. She says, maybe he'll knock on the door. Maybe he'll just knock on the door and marry me. And so, and so he doesn't come. And so she is so lovesick for him, she goes out looking for him. And so she's going through the streets and have you seen this shepherd boy? Uh, no, we haven't seen him because because what's going on is is that well I'll tell you in a minute. But so so she is going out there looking for him and then she finally finds him and she says I'm not letting you go this time. My mama got married under an apple tree and so are we. So she takes him to an apple tree where her mama got married and said, we're going to get married under this apple tree and then we're going to go in my mama's bedroom and we're going to consummate this relationship. I'm pretty sure her mama was in on this too. You know, there's too much mama talk here. I think she was in on this somehow. And so this girl finds the, the shepherd boy and they go under the apple tree and get married. And then, then, then um, they go to her mom's bedroom and they consummate the marriage. So now he quits calling her his beloved. He starts calling her his spouse. And then he shows up one day. He says, I've got to go on a trip, and I've got to come back. When he comes back, he comes back. He says, you know what? This has gone on long enough. I need to tell you something. I'm really not a shepherd. I'm really Solomon. But I disguised myself as a shepherd because I wanted to know what true love felt like. All these other women just want me because I'm the king but I wanted to fall in love one time. And out of all the women out there was falling after me, I chose this sunburned, shulamite, sunburned girl with dirt under her fingernails. And instead of having a royal wedding, I got married under an apple tree. And instead of going back to the spices on my bed, I went to your mama's bed and we consummated that marriage. But now I want you to come and live with me in the king's palace. That's and God allowed them to print this story in the Bible to tell you that's the story of Jesus coming to us, the king who disguised himself as the shepherd, the good shepherd. God wants you so much. God wants to love you so much that he will do whatever it takes. And that's just one of the stories. So here, here's, here's this method that God gives us for loving him. And we're going to practice this next week. But we practice it every week. And by the way, tonight, the worship was just amazing. It was just so beautiful. And, and that... That is what brings this encounter that I'm trying to paint this picture for you uh, about. So Satan wants us to forget that worship is a courtship. He does not want you to hear God wooing you. Thank you so much for supporting our ministry. If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at briancutshaw.com or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at Church Trainer. Or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267, 
Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you and God bless you. And may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to Hope in the Word. So what you need to understand is we think so I hear this all the time, and I'm, it, by the way, if you do this, don't think I'm upset about it, because I don't, but I hear us say things like, Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. I love the song, by the way, but we have to remember whose house it is. We didn't invite him here. He invited us here, right? So even though it's almost like we get this in our mind, oh, he, if I sing enough, he'll show up. And, and, you know, if he's already here, he's hoping that you'll sing your way into the supernatural. He's hoping that you'll worship your way into a higher place. Anybody remember that old song, Higher Ground? Lord, lift my, Lord, plant my feet on high. He's hoping you'll get there. He's hoping that you'll just come into worship and get so lost that you walk into his presence. And so he wants us, instead of seeing worship that way, he wants us to be entertained by worship. And, and the, the thing that I know about worship is that people like it their way. And, and, and if it's not their way, they'll ask for it their way. I like, some people like slow, some people like fast, some people like, have you ever watched people that the only time they worship is if their family's on the stage singing? Well, they get real spiritual when that happens, right? Have you ever seen that some people, they won't sit there, they'll, they'll kind of sit down until you sing their song. And if you sing their song from their genre, something comes alive. Now, I get it. We all got to God through, through music of some sort. And I have my favorites, by the way, just like you. There are certain songs, and, and you sing a lot of them tonight, by the way. And so maybe God just did that for me tonight. But I'll tell you, there are certain songs that got me to God and still get me to God. And so there's nothing wrong with liking one song over another. But what we can't do is we, can't, we cannot get so amused at preaching or even singing that we forget why we're in that moment. Because amusement means to get distracted and quit thinking. So have you ever watched TV and the next day you can't remember what you watch? It's because one definition for amuse is to not think. So it just kind of checks you out for a moment. And what happens is when preaching becomes, I love a funny preacher, but, but, and, and I can receive from a preacher who's comical because it's funny. But if we get addicted to that, and we think that we can't start a sermon without a joke and all those kinds of things, and I'm not saying anything about guys who do that because they, they have their own reason, but I'm saying that sometimes preaching needs to step on our toes a little bit. Sometimes preaching needs to convict us. It does need to make us feel good, but there's sometimes it needs to be like a mirror in front of us saying, wow, I don't measure up so well right now. You know, I need, to, I need to pay more attention to what God is trying to do in my life. So, so the whole purpose of preaching is to rebuke, exhort, reprove. So understand that some of it is about exhorting, but some of it is also about rebuking. Now, I, I don't necessarily like mean preachers, so I'm not one of those, and I don't necessarily enjoy mean preachers as much as I like somebody that can just spank me so hard with love, and I don't even real, I don't even mind. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm gonna live better than I've been living, and I leave there just all bruised up and so happy about it. That's the kind, that, that, that really, really gets near me the most. When somebody can just give me the word of God, 
pure word of God, and it's like a mirror and a light that shines on me and says, oh my goodness, I am not doing what I need to be doing right now. Now, you know, if you, if you get that prophet spirit on you and you point your finger, that's okay too, because sometimes that's what I need and that's what you need, but the whole point is that preaching is not to entertain us. Preaching is to teach us and instruct us and exhort us and feed us and help us to grow, and the same with worship. Worship is as entertaining as it is because by the way, guys, how many of you know we have some of the most amazing singers and musicians right here that you could ever ask for? You guys are amazing. I mean, really, they're just absolutely awesome. But, and I enjoy it. I'll be honest with you, I enjoy the worship, but I have to ask myself this question. When I get enjoying worship, am I in a, a moment of entertainment or a sacred moment? Because music, and music is always fun. My wife and I could be concert junkies. We love music so much. We could just follow everybody around and just go to music events all the time, and we'd just be happy doing that. We'd be broke, but we'd be happy so because we just love music that much. Uh, but here's the thing I know about worship. Before worship is anything, it must be sacred. Before worship is anything, it must, it must be this understanding that I'm in a courtship with God. So... I've, I've asked, been asked the question many times, why did the old school church seem to see more miracles than we're seeing today? Are we just in a different season? Are we in a different area? Is God going to come back? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. A lot of those old time saints had long prayer lives. They had, they had strong prayer lives. They had all night prayer meetings. They had all kinds of things that, that we don't see as much of anymore. But the other thing is they believed that when you worship that the glory of God can settle down in a worship service and set the atmosphere. So let me just tell you about my big hairdo mama. So my mama doesn't have a big hairdo now, but when I was growing up, she had one of those beehives. And if you misbehaved in church, it would turn into a hornet's nest, and that was the worst thing that could happen. So beehives are sweet, hornet's nests are not. And so all the women in my church, did anybody besides me grow up in an area where everybody could correct you? Your neighbor could spank you. Remember that? Nowadays, your principal can't even spank you anymore. So, but I grew up in a time that a stranger would pop you in the back of the head and say, boy, respect your elders. Anybody get that besides me? You know, I'm not saying I liked it, but that's just how it was in, back in those days. So my mama would sit us. She had this big hairdo, and she'd shout like this and shout her bobby pins out, and we'd collect them. Anybody besides me, you know you grew up in a holiness church if you collected bobby pins after service. Anybody, raise your hand. Anybody collected bobby pins beside me? There you go. There's a few of you. You grew up in one of those churches with those women. We get to going like that. And the next thing you know, you got bobby pins all over the floor. And that was kind of a fun thing after church to collect more than your brother. Well, for those of you that want to know, I'm a middle child. So there you go. You got it figured out now. Uh, I have an older brother who's almost a year older than me, but not quite a whole year. And so it was cold winter, I guess. But uh, so, um, so my brother's not quite a year older than me. And then I have a younger sister who is one year and 21 days. So within 21 days, uh, my birthday, my brother's birthday, my sister's birthday, and my parents' anniversary all fall within 21 days. So that's just how it is. So mom would set the, the three kids in front of her. So she sat on the second row or wherever she would sit, second or third row, and I, we never could sit with her. We had to sit in front of her for this reason. There's short hair on the back of your neck that hurts like crazy when somebody pulls it. And that was mom's secret weapon, man. 
she wasn't going to chase us down. And I mean, we were, we were those church kids. We were sitting there. We were more afraid of mom than we were the devil. I'm telling you what, we weren't afraid of the devil. We were afraid of that hairdo mama. Because we, if we ever turned that beehive into a hornet's nest, whoo, Lord have mercy, it was bad for days. So, you know, we, and, and here's the reason for that is because they had this belief that when you worship, the glory would come down and that people would be convicted and people would be healed. And so my mom always would say, what if somebody came in that building desperate and you distracted them? What if somebody came in and, and you were the reason they, they couldn't find Christ at night? So my mom was going to make sure I wasn't the reason. And I've got proof back here. If you look real good, me and my hairstylist can see all the scars. Where the, my, my mom called it the rooster peeping over a log. I had no idea what that means. But it hurts like crazy when somebody does it. So she would grab that short hair and yank it up like that in church. And it was, the, yeah, it was miserable growing up in some of those moments. But they believed that in worship, not just the word, not just the word, they believed that worship could bring in the presence of God and people could get healed. How many have ever been in worship and people come to the altar and get saved before anybody ever preached a sermon? How many have ever been in worship and gotten healed in the sermon before anybody, before anybody ever laid their hands on you that you got healed just in the worship? So they believed in that so strongly. And it wasn't that they had good bands. I mean, I went to one church, and I won't call this lady's full name because she might still have relatives alive, but I'll just say her name was Sister Irene. I'll leave it there. Sister Irene could only sing alto. She had a mustache bigger than any man in the church. She had a low voice, and every time she sang, she didn't sing the melody part. She sang the alto part. That's a strange experience if you've never had that because we were all singing the melody because we had to to understand what she was singing because she was a Sister Epps, and I could go on because it was quite a sight. Sister Epps, oh, I just gave you her whole name, didn't I? Faith said, you just told her last name now. All right, Sister Irene Epps, there you got it, the whole thing. Look her up. You'll find her grave somewhere now, I'm pretty sure. Oh, Sister Epps, she would get up. But here's what I remember about her. Sister Epps was an old country woman with real long jet black hair and real thick hair on her face. And she'd get up with that guitar, and she'd throw her head back, and, and she didn't have all of her teeth. That's all right, too. And, and she would throw her head back, and she'd start singing. But something happened when that woman sang. I'm telling you, it wasn't beautiful. It wasn't, it, it wasn't on, it wasn't melody. It was alto, and she wasn't the best guitar player, but the Holy Ghost would come down in that room, and as a kid, I would sit in my seat and shake all over every time Sister Epps got, when she, that woman opened her mouth, the glory of God would come into the room. It wasn't about enjoying it at that moment. It was about God coming near and that's what that environment did. And because they took that so serious, there was an amazing thing that happened in every worship service. Now, there's a difference in praise and worship, and I'm going to kind of bring this to a, bring this to a close here. But there's a difference in praise and worship because the word worship basically comes from the word saha, which means to bend, all right? So it's, there's a lot of words. There's words that mean get on your, on your knees. There's some that mean raise your hands. But the word worship that's most often used in Hebrew is the word saha, which means to bend. So how many of you have ever been to Israel? Okay, so when you go to Israel and you go to the Wailing Wall, you're gonna see this, right? It's called shuckling. 
All right. This is how this is how Hebrew people worship. Hebrew men, in particular, they shuckle when they pray when they pray because of one reason. Saha means to put your head below your heart, and what they mean is that I am worshiping until I'm not thinking about it anymore. I'm feeling it. And what they're saying is, I will not stop calling his name until my intellect is not trying to keep my heart in check. There's a lot of people that can't worship because they're worried about what people are going to think about them or they're, they're trying to analyze everything in their mind. They're trying, they don't believe in miracles because they can't explain it. Listen, you can't, you'll never explain walking on water and loaves and fishes for the rest of your life. You'll never explain that. You'll never explain how all the animals got in the ark. You're never going to explain it. There is a supernatural realm that God is inviting us to and Putting your head below your heart gets you there. God, I'm going to worship until I come to a place where my brain is checked out and my heart is checked in. That's what Saha means. Now, now praise is more exciting. That's why a lot of bands, they start off with praise and end up with worship. They start off with something that's more jovial and jubilant, jubilant and, and that's praise because praise is emotional. Praise is exciting. It talks about what God is and who God, what God is doing, and we get real excited about praise. But then when you get into this place of Saha, it's a place where your, where your head bends below your heart and when your head gets below your heart that is where God says you will find me sometimes we need the peace that passes understanding sometimes we need to get our head out of our worship and get our heart into our worship I love music and um you know at, there was a time that I, I I sang a lot and I played instruments and you know, I don't do so much of that anymore, but I love music, and it's so easy for me to get into the music. But I have to remind myself, and Braden, you took us there tonight, man. Thank you for that. You, I was on my knees. I, I, you just, you know, I'm not saying that it was you. I'm just saying you were listening to the Lord. I know what songs you were going to sing, and you didn't sing those songs. You just sang what the Holy Spirit told you to sing when he told you to sing it, and and only the people up there knew that he didn't even stick to the list tonight. He just, he just followed the Holy Spirit. And don't you love that about Braden? Don't you love that about him? He just followed the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, I found myself putting my head below my heart. I was in a church in Haiti one time, and it was time to preach. And they had this one little light bulb in the middle of this old, old um, hut and they had two little boys come up. One had a stick and a can, and the other one had two spoons. And they sat down in the front of the church, and they were the band. This one little boy started hitting the spoons on his knee and his hand, and that other little boy started, he was using the stick, and he would hit the side of the can where the, where the ripples are on the can, and then we'd pound the bottom of the can. And they had the most amazing percussion going on. And then when I heard the saints go, hmm, I mean, it tuned up. It was like an orchestra tuning up. And that was the only music they had in the whole room. They had, didn't even have light in the room. One little light bulb you could barely see. But that worship service brought the glory of God into that room. We started praying for the sick, and people were getting healed there in Haiti because that worship brought God near. God has made a way for you to find him. 
but you cannot find him always with your eyes. You have to find him in a spiritual place where he alone exists. I want to close with this. You know, worship is not about singers ministering to you. If you think that's what worship is about, get that out of your mind. Worship is not about singers ministering to you. And worship is not even about God ministering to you. Um, worship is about you ministering to God. God has drawn us, and now we're responding. God says, I'll take a song. I'll take a heart. Just come near me. Bring your gift before me and come before me. And Psalm 22 says you are enthroned in the praises of Israel. God is enthroned in the praises of Israel. And when they were writing the Japanese Bible, they were translating that verse and they could not say God is enthroned in the praises of Israel. It did not make sense in Japanese. So in the Japanese Bible, they wrote it this way. Our praise creates a seat for God to sit upon. I love that. Our praise creates a seat for God to sit upon. This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand his kingdom around the world.